Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Holy cow, do we have a program lined up for you today. It is a Saturday. It is Candace Talk. It is right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 KQAM. Hey, welcome in. Good morning to you on a Saturday, trying to get you up and moving for the day. I am loaded on this program beyond I think we've ever been loaded up on this show because it is pre-election Saturday. Primary elections here in the state of Kansas coming up on Tuesday, August 2nd. Are you ready? Have you voted? Do you know who and what you're going to vote for? Are you ready to make this all happen? Here in just a couple of minutes, about 10, 15 minutes from now, we'll talk with Karen Tyson, state senator right now, candidate for state treasurer. This hour is really going to be the treasury hour. We have Karen Tyson, candidate for treasurer. Bottom of this hour, we have Stephen Johnson, the other Republican candidate for state treasurer. That way you can hear both sides of that one. Stephen Johnson, also current state representative right now as well. Hour number two, we sit down with Scott Schwab. Kansas Secretary of State to talk about the election, not just his campaign, but just the election in general, where to vote, how to get the information on the candidates, where to find all the details you need to know to go into election time. I've heard we've had a record number of individuals registering and voting early for a primary on a uh, midterm election. So that is good news. We'll get to all that bottom of the hour of next hour to wrap up the program. Chris Kobach, candidate for attorney general. Two weeks ago, we talked with Tony Mativi. Last week, we talked with Kelly Warren. This week, we talked with Chris Kobach. So we've had all three candidates on for the attorney general's race. And to wrap it all up at the end of the program, we're going to talk with Jean Gauden. She is with the Kansans for Life. One more little push there for the Value Them Both bill as well. So it is beyond belief, and it is all brought to you by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. Make sure to check them out online at philscoins.com and to kick off the program with us in kind of a condensed version of having him on. But we had to for election season. Holy cow, Mr. Phil Martinez himself. Phil, how are you, my brother? Just fine. Good morning, everybody. Good morning to you. Are you ready for election day on Tuesday? Not really. <laughs> we, still, Not really. we haven't had a chance to really look everything over. I, I didn't realize, I forgot this was just a primary, so... I'll have no problems voting the primary, I yeah, don't think. I, I always say that the primary to me is the most important election out there because the general election, I know who I'm going to vote for. I'm going to beat Democrats, I'm going to vote for a Republican, and we're going to stop the progressive agenda. But the primary to me is where we get to set the tone for the party, which candidate is going to best represent the Republican Party, be able to promote the ideas that we want, and get the most amount done. So this is the point where we get to actually form what the Republican Party is actually going to look like. Well, you're probably right. I, you know, for the Democrats, unfortunately, the COVID back, uh, COVID coming around is going to get here too late to make everything mail-in ballots so they can steal the election like they did last time. Yeah. I tell somebody, you know, pay attention, people. Pay attention. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is coming. I'm sorry. I tell you, I've talked with Scott Schwab, our Secretary of State, numerous times about the voter fraud issue after Mike Lindell's uh, concern about the voter fraud after the 2020 election, after the latest documentary from 2000 Mules from Dinesh yep. D'Souza uh, regarding the mail-in ballots as well. We've talked to him in great length, and I am confident in our voter uh, voter process and electoral process here in Kansas, not so much in other states, but many states, even after Georgia, when Georgia started passing their uh, yes. electoral bill, they based theirs 
off of what we do here in Kansas, and that's what caused them all the national hubbub, you know, what a year ago, a couple yeah, years ago. Yeah. So I think that I feel, for the most part, relatively confident in our system. We need to stay transparent. We need to stay open. And we need to stay accountable. But I, I feel confident going into this election, at least here in Kansas. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, but, you know, it's pathetic that a country of the United States, you can't get it all done. Yeah. I mean, India. Yeah. India's got way more people than we got. They vote. They have one day. They shut the whole country down. People walk 25 miles to vote. Everybody is registered. They vote, and they're done. And they're done. And, 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 they're, and the results are everybody was there. There's none of this mail-in crap. I mean, you know, they, they, they talk about how it's it's disadvantaged to the poor and everything else. And I said, well, I know that if somebody was poor in Wichita and needed to get food stamps I, and they had to go to Kansas City to get it, I guarantee you they would figure out a way to get to Kansas City to get their food stamps. So why can't they figure out how to get across town? These, these Republicans, Democrats, both will come pick you up in a car and take you to the polls if you call them. So there's no reason for the poor not to vote. And so there's no reason for them not to have an ID. Yeah, the only individuals that I can see as a mail-in ballot are those that are in, like, long-term care facilities yes. and elder individuals that cannot make it but still want yes. to make their voice heard. Those are the only ones. Maybe maybe wheelchairs. I mean, there are, there are some exceptions, no doubt, in my you're mind. Right. But outside of that, you're right. I don't know why we extend this, and the Democrats continue to push the extension of we need early voting at an earlier time. We need registration at an earlier time. You can register to vote anytime you want to, and we don't need a six-month gap here, a six-month window to do early voting voting and actually do your mail-in ballots well, vote on election day well, it was make like, your voice heard but it was like georgia i mean they had everybody knew how it was going to play in georgia the, 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 you go up the republicans are ahead and the next morning the democrats were ahead they knew exactly how many votes they needed to push through the bo boxes yeah. to get it the next 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 day the republicans ahead and the next morning the democrat was ahead and, and boom 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 and guess who ended up winning yep no. Yeah, there there are way too many uh, opportunities, whether there's fraud, whether there's not fraud, there's way too many opportunities for the fraud to happen when you actually start making these loosey-goosey laws with mail-ins and everything else. Just show up to vote on Election Day. Uh, I mean, people are voting early. That's cool. They want right. to get rid of the lines if they want to vote early in person. Right. I guess that's cool. You know, that's fine. But I still love the patriotic day of Election Day. I think it should be a national holiday. I think that we should just shut down... Uh, shut down work, just shut I down the bank, shut down no everything. No problem with that. Have people go and actually just go vote that day. Stand That's in line right. all day if you want to. Whatever, make whatever but get it done. Get it done. That's right. Then there's no whining. Yeah, that's right. We got just about a minute here before we have to kind of wrap things up uh, today with Phil Martinez of Phil's Coins. But uh, the inflation rates. Still going strong. We still see the 9.2%. We saw the interest rates rise again with the Federal Reserve. They're raising another, what, 0.7% or 0.75, yeah, whatever 7, they're 5, doing. Yeah, Yeah, so uh, real quickly in about a minute or two here, what do you think that's going to do to the silver and gold markets? Anything? Uh, gold was up $30 the other day, and silver was up 2 So all of a sudden, we're back up to over $20 for silver, and gold's pushing back into the high 18s or something like that. So it's it, climbing uh, again. It, it, it's 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 or maybe eighteen hundred, but but gold was up thirty and silver was up two. Yeah, and I still can tell people I still think you <laughs> don't don't. I can be wrong, but I still believe it's possible to see hundred dollar silver by the end of the year. 
It's it's going to happen. Something's going to happen. I did laugh though. About a couple days ago, a week ago, I was looking at the market, and silver was back down to eighteen dollars. And I was like, yes. man, I remember the first silver that I bought a couple years ago. I bought it at the eighteen dollar range, so it's back down there. I think I need to put some more in. It's God's way of telling you it's time to buy. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I that, have it, to agree with when, that. When silver and gold are down, people, this is the time to buy. I have to agree with that, Phil. It's good to talk to you, my friend. Enjoy kind of a shortened this. version. We're going to do an extended interview next week. Not a but, problem. Uh, get out and vote. Good yeah, stuff. absolutely. God bless all of you. There we go. We'll take a break here real quick. We'll wrap up and uh, get back here with Karen Tyson, state treasurer here on Candace Talk on the Big Talker KQAM. Welcome back into the program. Let's jump right into it with election coverage 2022. It's time to meet the candidate. The government works for us, not the other way around. Elections 2022. Candidate number one here on Candace Talk for our final Saturday is Karen Tyson, state senator and candidate for state treasurer here in the state. And this is what she had to say here on Candace Talk. Karen, how are you today? Doing great. Thanks for asking, Andy. Uh, Yeah, it's good to talk with you. We're down to the final wire here just the last few days. How are you guys feeling? We're feeling very cautiously optimistic. We're running like we're behind, but we we feel like we have the momentum right now. Well, that is good news. Let's talk about the end of the legislative session of this year. I don't think we've talked a whole lot since the session has ended, but obviously the budget was a big factor in this year's legislative session, working on reducing some sales tax, trying to get money back to the people, but of course in trying to invest in the state as well with an expanded budget compared to last year. Going into a position like state treasurer, if you end up getting into that seat, what would you like to prioritize? What kind of situation are we in right now as a state? Well, there's quite a few things that could be done with the treasurer's office that's not being done now. And one of those is putting all the transactions online so that taxpayers can see how the money's being spent. Mm. The other thing is accountability. We need to hold government accountable, make sure that they're spending within the parameters that the legislature set and put Kansas first in our investments and our Kansas programs to make sure Kansans know those resources are available to help them. Sure. How are Kansas programs looking right now? Obviously, COVID-19 threw a bit of a wrench in the system economically with things shut down. And then we saw the uh, disaster that went happen with the Department of Labor and the try and reinvestment in their systems and operations there because of so many people filing for unemployment. But how are our systems and how are our state programs as of this point? Well, I would challenge investments with CAPERS and PMIB, taxpayer-funded investments that are putting money in China and Russia there is no way that Kansas investment should be in either one of those countries. And I will be a voice that stands strong against that. Um, You may have heard of ESG, environmental social governance ratings. You know, it's in the title. They're dinging us for our oil and gas industry. They're going to ding us on our social issues. It's a liberal group trying to push their agenda on Kansas. And I definitely will stand strong against that. Yeah, let's talk about tax receipts for just a second. Obviously, with COVID-19, threw a bit of a wrench in the system for a couple of years with individuals not being able to work, businesses being shut down. But now that things are starting to get back on track, are we seeing more tax revenue come into the state or is it still pretty low? It's increased. The taxes collected are at record highs for the state of Kansas. Um, I tried to push legislation to get that back in the taxpayers' pockets. We were successful on some 
events, but we didn't get we the way I say it is we had a home run. We could have had a grand slam this year. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, um, the next governor, Derek Schmidt, will get that passed. He's already announced that he's going to work on it, and that's removing state income tax on Social Security and on all retirement accounts. Sure. The money's there. We can do it, and I will work as a state treasurer to help get that legislation and to get more money. If we can expose government waste by putting the transactions online, that's going to help us shrink government and put more money in taxpayers' pockets. Boy, wouldn't that be nice. Exactly. See where money needs to go, be able to streamline a lot of the budgetary process, and then give money back to the people of Kansas. I don't know about you, but I think the progressives don't like that idea of giving money back to the people because they're kind of greedy and like to have money stick with the government. But I'm pretty sure most Kansans would enjoy that idea. I I think so. (laughs) I think almost every Kansan would right now, especially with the way the price of products has gone up, food, fuel, all of it. We need to get those resources back to Kansans, not grow government. We are talking with Karen Tyson, candidate for state treasurer. You can find her online at team at Tyson.org. Let's talk about some of the past couple of different state treasurers with their focus on trying to return money back to individuals across the state, whether it's someone who moved and overpaid on utilities or just has money sitting there that needs to be returned back to them. They focus a lot of attention trying to get money back on track and back to the people. Is that something that you would like to continue as a state treasurer as well? Absolutely. We need to return that unclaimed property back to its rightful owner. But we also need to expand, and that's what I was talking about with Kansas First. There's programs like the 529 and 529A, Learning Quest, and the ABLE Act. It is tax-deferred savings programs that allow Kansans to better manage their money and keep more of it in their pocket. We need to let people know that those programs are available to them. Yeah. Uh, do you prefer, I know the state legislature has been debating this over the last couple of years, of going from the two-year budget to a one-year budget so we can look at this every single year. As as treasurer, what would you prefer that the state did on our budgetary issues? Would we like to see it uh, out for about two two years on a budget, or would we like to revisit it every single year? Absolutely. We should be looking at it in two-year projections at least. And when I was a freshman in the House, I proposed three-year, but we compromised and landed on two-year there's several reasons. One is K through 12 schools funding. They're, one of their biggest complaints is not how much money, but the fact that they don't know what they're going to get year to year. If we were on a two-year budget cycle, then they would have more comfort into what they were going to actually receive. It, same thing with everything uh, with other administration and offices. It's easier to plan, and you, we should be looking at a two-year budget cycle. And you can review it each year to make tweaks to it, but absolutely two years projected out, at least, if not three years. Three years. Is there an opportunity to go even further out? Absolutely, and we should. Um, As your household and and businesses work, they don't just work year to year. They do projected budgets and plans. Sure. That is very true. Now, you mentioned education. Obviously, education is one of the heavier price tags in the state of Kansas. And while the duty of the state treasurer is to really you know, be able to pay the bills but work with the legislature to try and make things more efficient on that front, what do you think we could do to try and maybe narrow some of that spending to public education? I know we've had that long-going battle with the, uh, with the Supreme Court and with the teachers' unions and with the administrations trying to get more funding for education but between K through 12 and higher education, we're already looking at over 60% of our state budget going towards that. 
is there a way to refine that, make it a little more mainstream, and not make that the hefty part of our state budget? Absolutely, there is, and part of it is the budget process. We have a budget process in place right now that if they don't spend it at the end of the year, they think they lose it. So, therefore, they're going to waste it at the end of the year if they don't have, um, you know, and I shouldn't say, but it promotes wasteful spending. We've got to address that budget process. And and that is true without throughout all government. We attempted to, by doing a performance-based budget, um, they're not implementing it. They're not doing it at the state level, and there's no recourse for them not following the law. So I think by exposing the spending at the end of the year, um, one example I can give a small school district, they have a standing order for paper every year, whether they need it or not, and a new principal went down to the basement they found reams of paper stacked to the ceiling. They cut that order off, but it was an example. It was just something that was there at the end of the year. They would spend the money whether they needed to or not. So it's just that common sense spending. And by exposing what we're doing at the state level, then taxpayers and legislators will be able to see where that money's actually being spent. Yeah. Amen to that. Well, like you said, I mean, it goes back to that transparency, putting things online, letting people see exactly where their money goes. And I think that'd be an eye opener for a lot of individuals. Last couple of questions before we let you go. And I appreciate the time, but on the other front capers is the other big expenditure in the state. I know during the legislative session of this year, you guys just laid down close to a billion dollars to try and play catch up on some of those payments, as opposed to what governor Kelly wanted to do, which was re-amortize capers again, and just delay the payments and kind of extend those things out. Are we on track right now with CAPERS? Are we back on track after that billion-dollar payment? And how does the retirement plan for the state look right now? No, my opponent is saying that he has saved CAPERS billions of dollars. And the truth is that the CAPERS board is estimating their returns at 7.5% right now. We all know that that is not a reality in this economy. So what the CAPERS board is anticipating is decreasing that to 3 3.5%. As soon as they do that, the unfunded liability through CAPERS is going to be through the roof again. So CAPERS is not fixed. We need an actual solution for it. We did introduce a bill this year that would look at possibilities for existing CAPERS participants to be able to convert to a different type system if they want to, but it wasn't mandated. What was mandated is that we have to fund CAPERS for the current individuals that are in that system. Yeah. What would that take? I mean, how much is going into it right now compared to how much needs to go into it? Um, it well, it depends on what they end up with the unfunded liability estimate, but we're looking at billions of dollars again. Wow. It's, it's not a good scenario that we're in. Um, <laughs> there's one state that is uh, completely 100% funded. You know, Kansas needs to truly address this system, not kick it down the road. In fact, my opponent was part of introducing the Tier 3 program. If you take a close look at that, it is one of the worst retirement programs, and I I feel bad for anybody that is in that program. We need to give them an option to change to another program that could be beneficial for them and their families and Kansas taxpayers. Um, Most teachers... This is a statistic that's a sad one, but they stay in that field for less than five years. Well, they would be tied to the current CAPERS Tier 3 system. That doesn't benefit them at all. So give them an option to convert to a 
self-directed type IRA program that they can actually transfer the money with them. Again, it helps taxpayers and it helps the actual participant in the program. Yeah, those are all some great ideas because I have noticed that we started to go down the road uh, for the last few years, unfortunately, is almost what Illinois tried to do, which Illinois, as you know, went bankrupt because of their education and their retirement plans where they could not fund all of these expenditures and they had way more debts and they couldn't actually have a balanced budget. And I don't want us to go down that road. No, we should not. And CAPERS money, some people may not be aware of this. We had approximately $36 million invested in Russia. And now we can't even get that money out. You know it's not $36 million anymore. Sure. And there's over $100 million invested in China. CAPERS money should not be in those high-risk investments in countries that can change the rules and change the investing parameters. I mean, they can just pull the money on a dime, and we would have no recourse to get that money. Russia is a prime example. We need more conservative um, returns, not, we need to make sure that we are doing our fiduciary responsibility. And part of that responsibility is not investing in dictatorship countries. Sure. There it is. It's and people yeah. may not realize the treasure, I'm sorry, Andy, um, but people may not realize the treasurer sits on the capers board and has a voice in those investments. Wow, yeah, I was not aware of the fact that you could sit on the actual CAPERS board, so I think that would be definitely beneficial to help streamline that process and then, again, let people know about what's going on with the CAPERS plans and those that are affected by it. Yes, it is. Yeah. And and I will be a strong voice against that. Um, I will also stand up against this environmental social rating that is impacting CAPERS, the PMIB board, and it's also going to impact Kansas legislation if we don't stand up against it. There it is, Karen Tyson, candidate for state treasurer, last minute or so here, but talk about your final push, uh, get out the vote movement, and where you're going to be for the last couple of days before individuals head to the polls on Tuesday next week. We are. We're working very hard. I ask for your vote, anybody that's listening. we um, I have a proven track record. I was National Legislator of the Year last year for my work on transparency, and I will continue that effort in the state treasurer's office. So join Team Tyson and... Let's get this thing done. Get her done. It's teamtyson.org is the website. Go and check it out. State Senator and candidate for State Treasurer. It is Karen Tyson. Karen, good luck with it, and hopefully we talk to you here soon going into the general election. Thank you, Andy. It's Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 KQAM. Thanks for hanging out with us the final Saturday before the election on Tuesday. It's finally here. And boy, have we talked to candidates all across the board. We've talked to all three attorneys general's candidates over the last few weeks. We've talked to Derek Schmidt, candidate for governor. We've talked to so many others all over the state as well. And we focused some time as well on the state treasurer's race, which has heated up as well with two Republican candidates. We've talked to Karen Tyson. It's time to get back on the program with us here as well. Current state representative and candidate for treasurer as well, Mr. Stephen Johnson. Steve, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Great to get to be with you and your listeners today. Yeah, it's always good to talk with you, my friend. We've talked a lot of times about state legislative issues, and this race, boy, I tell you, it is down to the wire. We are in the last leg here. How are you feeling with the campaign for the last few days? So it feels good. Uh, 
there are a lot of great folks across the state. Checking in with my legislative colleagues have been a huge help to reach a lot of different corners of the state and voters as we approach these days. And a lot of folks are voting early, but we'll have a lot turn out on August 2nd and looking forward to August 2nd and seeing those results. Yeah, I, I find it interesting, and I think it's because of the value of them both, Bill. Also with some of the more hotly contested races uh, statewide with you guys and with the Attorney General's race as well, to where we're seeing the numbers come in, and early voting is up compared to prior years for a primary especially, and number of registered voters is also way up compared for midterm season compared to presidential elections and other prior years of midterms as well. So I think that's a good sign. Always. When we can get more participation, that is good. And the the efforts around value them both are are the driver uh, on on bringing interest and uh, engaging folks in discussions through through this this primary. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about some financial issues in the budget here in the state running for state treasurer. This last legislative session, we wrapped up with a little bit bigger fed, uh, state budget. We did pass the axe the tax. The governor Kelly, you know, stalking people in the grocery stores with her uh, axe and trying to talk about trying to get rid of that when she conveniently tried to stop that for a couple of years as governor and as a state senator. But going into this position, if you and get this following position... following on Derek Schmitz and other efforts to do uh, the same thing. So exactly. there's uh, lots of folks saying, that's my idea. Exactly. Yeah. Going into this uh, seat now, if you get into the state treasurer's seat, how is the state looking right now with the tax revenue, with our current budget, and what kind of situation would you be walking into? Well, right now we are looking good based on things that were done over several years and based on revenue that came in largely from one-time revenues out of all of the funds that were during the stimulus period and in, in, in the COVID period. Uh, full employment remains strong. As long as full employment is there, I'm optimistic about future returns. However, with leaving those stimulus funds on entirely too long, the inflationary pressure is a huge risk. So while I think we'll be strong through our November estimate, I am concerned about what our outlook will be going forward and whether that type of growth can be sustained. The good news is the legislature worked very hard to set some dollars aside, not only in the rainy day fund, which gives us some flexibility, but also to pay down debt, uh, and our timing is working out remarkably well also. One of the things that we did was pay down just over a billion in the pension debt and look to eliminate some other bonds that we have a call opportunity here in the next year, and that debt reduction will be a meaningful change in the amount of revenue that will be required going forward. Sure. I'm glad you mentioned that with the CAPERS plan. I know we did pay that billion dollars into it, which was nice. Governor Kelly wanted to re-amortize and extend that out again, which seems to be the plan whenever Democrats want money in the state, and I find that kind of ironic. But where are we now after that payment? Are we in better position? Are we caught up? Do we still need some work? I mean, how are we looking right now? Well, it is a long plan. So the remaining debt at the time we did it was about $5 billion, and taking a billion off of that took us down to a relatively small number on, on that total portfolio. There's about $23, $24 billion that is in the fund, and uh, we need to come up with that additional amount yet to be fully funded. However, we're starting to hit the point where you're in – what would be accepted variants of the portfolio because it does go up and down and, and you don't just stay at a particular value. So we're getting to where we can breathe easier. That is good news because that's been kind of the, the focus, hasn't it? Whenever we need money, we just kind of re-amortize, we borrow from that. And while we uh, kind of delay the pension plans for individuals that work yeah. for the state, that's been kind of the go-to for many years. 
It's been a, a good, and the bigger problem is legislatures and governors have liked to give away benefits without coming up with the additional contributions that are required to pay for them, and that's very attractive. So you just have to help people understand the long-term implication, and that's something we've really focused on in the last 10 years, as there have been several proposals that have been brought to increase the spending on pensions, and they aren't bad proposals. You just have to be willing to increase taxes to pay for them. And if someone's willing to do both, that can work. Uh, I have not been willing to increase that spending. Instead, have looked for ways that we could cut costs, which we've been able to do a lot through just getting lower interest that the market gave us a huge opportunity to do, which will save us hundreds of millions. But uh, anyway, that has been the bigger issue is giving away benefits without paying for them and letting that go for decades. Yeah, well, and that leads to what we saw with the state of Illinois, where we saw them go bankrupt in the state because of their education and their retirement plan and their pension plans for the state, which conveniently are still really for us here in Kansas, the two most expensive bills that we have as well, isn't it? They are the most expensive bills that we have, and we looked at Illinois in 2011 when we first started on that, and they were at the tipping point then. Uh, I don't know how how that problem gets fixed, um, but we knew we did not want to stay second to last with only Illinois below us, and thankfully <laughs> we have turned that ship around uh, through changing the liability, changing the interest cost, and changing our payments to make sure it would, would actually work. Sure, that is good. Let's shift gears to education for a second. Obviously, the between K through 12 and higher education, that's near 60 to 62% of our state budget, the last that I saw with those numbers. Is that something that can be addressed or needs to be addressed to reset some priorities? I know we've gone through years of litigation with our Supreme Court in the state talking about how much money needs to go into K-12, through but that is a massive pit in our state budget right now that I think needs to be reformed. And you're right on target all the way through, including that last piece, which is the litigation piece that has held the uh, decision on what has been spent. So the legislature has actually not been making that decision. I'm not sure for exactly how long it has been decided in the courts. And uh, then funding that has been the state's issue. And um, I, I fully agree that just taking a step back and saying, okay, what does education look like as we go uh, to the next decade and what did we learn through the last years that can make us better meet those needs that we foresee? And there have been a lot of efforts to do that. And then coming to an agreement of what are we able to spend to do that? In each case, there are, there are so many challenges for them to solve, so many. Sure. Um, and can we take some of the mental health issues off of their plate, solve those somewhere else, and, and those types of issues? But we... I think there are ways to do things more efficiently. I think we have to agree on how that can be done and then uh, work with our, our school board leaders and our superintendents. And we have a lot of superintendents who are good problem solvers. And we just need to say, okay, here's what we can spend. And similarly, one of the things that I look at is how do I fund one entity versus another entity? So how do I fund schools versus mental health? And, and what is the parity between that, not only between schools, but between these different entities. And I think that would be a healthy perspective for the courts uh, to take on as well. 
Absolutely. We're talking with Stephen Johnson, state representative and candidate for state treasurer. Let's bring it to the consumer level. Obviously, the last couple of months, we've broken records on inflation, sitting at near 9.2%. Gas prices are at near $4 a gallon as they slowly try to creep back downward. We'll see how far they actually go. But where are we at economically right now? And do we see tax revenue coming in a little bit lower than what we've seen? Obviously, we're coming out of a two-year pandemic that slowed the economy down a bit. Are we back up to about normal? Are businesses back up to about a par again? And what kind of tax receipts are we seeing come into the state, do you think? Well, the tax receipts currently have stayed strong and have continued coming in above the estimates. Now, I don't know that we continue that. But again, to me, the key is the full employment piece. As long as everyone is working that wants to work, um, the economy is going to keep driving results for all of us. And that will be great. This inflation thing is a huge worry. How can we keep everything in balance when the Biden administration is doing the types of things that are driving 9% inflation measured year over year? Um, that will be a killer for everybody to be able to figure out how to manage through. It will be a killer for the state in that for that to work, you've got wage inflation. Yeah. The biggest element of the state budget is wages. How do we keep revenues in line with wages um, in that world? That will be extremely difficult. So I'm pretty optimistic that the numbers will stay decent. Our next consensus revenue estimate is in November. I don't think we're going to know any bad news before then, and that is probably the first time we'll get an idea of what it could look like. So remarkably fortunate timing for the Kelly administration <laughs> that, that is November yes. is when we get that, and it could present some big challenges uh, for the incoming administration uh, if those numbers change harder, if inflation stays where it is, hopefully with the Fed moves and other things. We've had a spike that we can level off from in inflation. We've seen gas prices starting to move down. That's, again, for me to get uh, interested in buying gas because I see it for three fifty nine just tells me that my perspective has been skewed by policies of the last 12 months, right? Yeah. There's no reason for us to be there. We are close enough to being energy independent that we need to be in that world, not the world we've been in for the last year and a half. Sure. So anyway, um, nonetheless... Short term, it looks pretty good, and it's this inflation risk that's the biggest risk, and the biggest thing to watch is the employment data. Sure. There it is. I love it. Now, on the uh, government side of it, as you mentioned, with tax receipts coming in and with the expenditures, we see a bit of an expanded state budget that we've seen come out of this last legislative session. Where is the focus going to be, do you think, where the money needs to be directed at the state level? Is it going to be employment and trying to match wages for public sector and for government jobs? Is it going to be reinvesting in some of the technology like we've heard during COVID with the Department of Labor and the lack of equipment that they have or lack of software that they have? I mean, what do you think the next step is for state government to run efficiently as well? Well, the systems are part of that solution. And those are things that have needed to be addressed for the last 10 years. And that's on all of us to say what needs to happen. It's absolutely on the Department of Labor. That was an unexcusable process for too many months to not address that system. And it was actually possible to address it within the old existing system, as we saw uh, January a year ago when a simple patch was applied to stop the rampant fraud that was going on. But systems will be part of it. We'll want to keep everything in balance. You, we will 
you don't want to lead wage inflation from the government side. That would be a horrible solution. Uh, but we will be, I'd say, drug along by what that is to uh, continue to provide the services that, that are demanded. Um, we, If revenues stay strong, we would continue to have the opportunity to reduce debt, which was our biggest additional piece of this last year. But um, uh, I don't know that we'll have that particular opportunity. So I think you're right that systems and wages are two of the things that will continue to drive us. We have made an investment in roads. I think that can be continued and shouldn't be a shock to the system. Sure, absolutely. Last couple of questions before we let you go. It's Stephen Johnson, state representative and candidate for state treasurer. And I appreciate the time. I know you're a busy guy for the last few days on the campaign trail here. But I got to say, this state treasurer's uh, race uh, with the two candidates, with you and Karen Tyson, has gotten a little heated with some of the campaign ads and some of the uh, conversation. But talk about just the campaign trail and, and some of the comments that have been made. Well, it's been great to get out across the state. There are so many wonderful people uh, across the state that make it work, and um, that part has been a lot of fun. It's a big state to cover, so uh, part of what we have to do. But if if you're going to throw out issues of transparency, you've got to be transparent about all of the data that's behind it. You can't just take a particular uh, uh, statistic and try to run that and pretend that that's the story. So in the uh, treasurer's race, one of the issues that had been made that you're referring to are the, are the tax votes that are there. And the one thing the two tax increases have in common is my, my fellow candidate. Without her vote on the sales tax increase, it would have never made it to the floor of the House and Senate. So if we're going to be transparent on those records, we've got to look at the fact that those votes don't come out of nowhere. They came from conference committees in both cases. There are four Republicans on those conference committees. There is one Republican that was on both of those conference committees that were the architects of designing what the ultimate solution was to balance the budget and reduce debt um, for for the legislature. And uh, so, so there is a lot as you go around that You've got to look at voting records, but you've got to look at activity and who did what, who drove what outcomes that happened in the legislature, and um, and that's always the always the challenge. But ultimately, the uh, Republican leadership worked to figure out a way to balance the budget and reduce debt as we work through some of the tougher years. Now we've got a ton of options, which are great, and I look forward to what we can do next year. Yeah, we set ourselves up for a good situation, and hopefully we can keep at it in that direction and move forward by, like you say, creating more options, paying down debt, and keeping budgets limited so that way we can have more in the emergency fund for when things actually do happen. Right. Stephen Johnson, The way you cut taxes is by cutting spending. Yeah, that yeah. is the key. What a concept. A change in tax policy is only a shift. So, and that's what we focused on with pensions and with the budget. Yeah, so well, what you. a concept. Yeah, I mean, what a concept it is. You know, <laughs> cut taxes so that way we can put, you know, instead of just giving stimulus checks out to people like we're seeing other states do right now, Absolutely. we just let people keep it in the first place and then we don't have to worry about it. Right. Yeah. Good plan. What a plan. I like that idea. It's Stephen Johnson, candidate for state treasurer. You can find him online as well. Stephen, good luck on the campaign trail. We're excited to see what happens on Tuesday, and we look forward to chatting with you again here soon, my friend. I look forward to both. Have a great day. Now. 
We're talking again with the AARP, whether it's the Fraud Watch Network, Retirement Calculator, getting involved in the community. Make sure to check them out online, aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. Also find them and follow them on their social media as well. Excited to have back online with us here this week. Glenda's with us. Glenda, how are you today? I am doing well today, Andy, and how are you? Hey, we are great. Always good to chat with you. There's a lot of things going on, Thank not you. just in the state here, but also with the AARP. It's that time of year where things are starting to pick up, which is hard to believe. But let's talk about some of the scams in the Fraud Watch Network. You guys always keep a, a close tab on all these different scams. And this is the time of year where it seems like a lot of people are wrapping up maybe moving, maybe purchasing a home, maybe renting a home or an apartment or a townhouse. And that means that, of course, because we're doing something with our life, someone has to be trying to scam us in some way, shape, or form. That's very true. And especially, you are absolutely right about this time of the year. So if you're, whether you're renting a home or an apartment, the first thing we know it's a big expense, right? But it can become even bigger if someone uh, is involved in a scam. So what we really want people to um, be aware of is that these criminals can really make legitimate listings look very easy and very much like they are legitimate. And they do that by collecting the first month's rent or the deposit, which we know, or and the application fees, which we know are some normal processes, but they do that and before they hand over the keys. So when that happens, uh, and we know that there's a lot of that out and about, people will uh, get leases or sign leases that are not valid, and that, that becomes really a big problem. Mm, that is a big problem. So what kind of signs should we be aware of, yes. and how do we stop this? Yes. So what you really need to be aware of is that so that you won't lose hundreds of dollars is that when you're renting a place to watch out for scammers who ask you to sign before you see anything um, or request a payment via wire transfer or some of the peer-to-peer type apps or even sometimes cash. You really need to do your research. Do your research you know, on the property and then even on the property owner. And get once you get the agreement, make sure you read it carefully. Because if you can spot it, you, know, you can stop it. So paying close attention to those things will really, really help us to uh, be aware of it and not become involved in that scam. Sure. That is very scary. I mean, uh, if you're moving, that's that's all your livelihood. That's everything you have. And if you get scammed out of that, that is a horrible situation to be in. Yes, it is. Without It could render you homeless in some yeah. situations. And so we don't want that. And so, you know, we can always visit our uh, Broadwatch network to get more information about it or call us on our helpline at 1-877-908-3360. And there are trained staff with volunteers and volunteers there to help us so that, that you know, we can help them to walk through that process if sure. it happens. I love it. I love it. We also got to talk about before yes. we run out of time as yes. well that next week, it's un- it's hard to believe that it's here, but next week is officially election season. Tuesday, August 2nd is primaries for the elections, and you guys have some uh, different uh, ways for individuals to get out the vote as well. Absolutely. They can go to um, aarp.org, this www.aarp.org slash votes. And there's our voter's guide that will tell us how, when, and where to vote. The other um, option is to text KS votes, KS votes to the number 22777. And that will also take them to that information. Or you can also just go to votekansasaltogether.gov. Uh, and that 
again, it's another way to learn how, when, and where to vote in the upcoming election. Oh, I love it. VoteCandice.gov, and like you said, yes. text to KSVotes to 22777 and get all that information. And you're right, I mean, whether you voted early or whether you're planning on going and voting here in the next couple of days or showing up on Election Day, how to vote, where to vote, all that great information, which is necessary, just get out and vote. And do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Uh, And we just want to remind everyone that our very last um, opportunity for our Andrews Awards nomination is the 1st of August. So we want people to go to our website um, and look for Andrews Awards and make nominations. Well, I tell you, you guys got a lot going on. And uh, again, that deadline coming up the end of this week as well. It's the AARP, aarp.org slash KS for the state of Kansas. Go and check them out. Also find them online and their social media. Also vote Kansas.gov and text KS votes to 22777. One more time, Glenda, what's the address or what's the phone number for anybody to reach you guys? Um, the phone number to reach us for a thought is 877-908-3360. Uh, and we can watch us on our Facebook page also for a concert this weekend on Friday at 630. That'll be fun. I love it. Always great information. Glenda, we appreciate it very much. Let's do it again next week. We will. Thank you, Andy. Take care. Can you believe hour number one is all wrapped up for Candace Talk already? That flew by way too fast and way too much content. Throwing it right in your face first thing for a Saturday morning. We'll do it more for hour number two right around the corner here on Candace Talk. It's Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM, getting you set for Election Day on Tuesday. Are you ready? So I think everybody else is. Right back here, right around the corner on hour number two of Candace Talk here on KQAM. Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. It's Kansas Talk right here on 1480 KQAM. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us today. Good Saturday morning to you. We have hit the ground running today, and when I mean that, I my head's spinning. Hopefully yours is as well as we try and talk to all these candidates, get you ready for election season on Tuesday, August 2nd. Are you registered to vote? Are you ready to vote? And boy, do we have a lot more to get to. We've talked with Karen. That last hour was kind of the state treasurer's hour. We talked with Karen Tyson current state senator and candidate for state treasurer. Then we talked with Stephen Johnson, the state representative and candidate for state treasurer as well. So hopefully you got the information from both of those to help you make your decision on who you're going to support going into the election on Tuesday. This hour, we got big stuff here right right around the corner here in just a couple of minutes. We'll talk with Scott Schwab, current secretary of state and also candidate for secretary of state as well. We'll not only talk about his campaign, but we'll talk about just in general election season, getting ready for it and voter integrity. He just came back from Washington, D.C. on a roundtable talking about voter integrity and making sure that voter security is in place for the election. We'll talk about the duties of the secretary of state during election time and more. Bottom of the hour, Chris Kobach. We have candidate for attorney general. We've talked now with all three attorney general's candidates. Two weeks ago, we had Tony Mativi. A week ago, we had Kelly Warren. And this week, we have Chris Kobach as well. So we've talked with all three major Republican candidates for attorney general as well. If you miss any of these, we do have the podcast that you can go back and watch. You can watch the video of it on the KQAM Facebook page at 1480 KQAM on Facebook. You can also find 
the Voice of Reason podcast, where we do upload the Kansas Talk podcast as well every week, and you can listen to all of those interviews. So if you don't know the candidates, if you want to learn more about them, if you have not heard us talk to them because you missed that week or something, you can always go back and listen to those there as well. Also, to wrap up the program today as well, because it's such a major issue, we're going to have Gene Godden back on here with us, Government Relations for Kansans for Life, to reiterate what this Value Them Both bill is really about. Vote yes, vote no. What's really going on? What's the true facts about that bill? What is the misinformation being spread all around out there regarding some of the campaign ads? And more, we'll wrap up the program with her at about 1045 today as well. So, Great to have you along for the ride. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. I don't want to waste any more time as we get right into our next electoral candidate. It's time to meet the candidate. The government works for us, not the other way around. Elections 2022. And let's continue it on as we talk with our current Secretary of State for the state of Kansas and candidate for re-election in the Secretary of State's office as well, Mr. Scott Schwab. Scott, how are you, my friend? Tired, but good. Um, yeah. <laughs> A lot of work going on. You're traveling the country and also traveling the state. It's a lot of ground to cover. A lot of ground to cover. Yeah, you guys have been extremely busy. And I just I just mentioned I've been seeing some of these news lines. We're seeing a lot of people. It sounds like that uh, individuals are active. They're excited. They're ready to go to the polls. We're seeing early poll numbers come in. We're seeing early voting come in. And we're seeing registrations up uh, compared to prior years, it sounds like. Yeah, well, you, you know, we were talking about it last year as well. We see a lot of teenagers more eager to vote than what you used to see 10, 15 years ago. And, you know, during the pandemic, the shutdown, a lot of these young men and women, their sports were disrupted yeah. and they couldn't vote for the school board. So now they realize the importance of, hey, I may be 18. I may not understand, you know, geopolitical politics, but I understand what my school board did and I want to vote there. And well, once you start voting, you just continue to vote for you know, issues and people that you believe in. Well, we have some hotly contested races as well. We have obviously the attorney general's race that is really hotly contested. I think one of the more uh, interesting ones, I think, for this election season. But we have this major bill that is as well with the value them both bill that I think is generating a lot of excitement on both sides of the aisle to turn out to vote. Do you think that's a driving force uh, driving people to the polls this year as well? Well, we've, we've always said, you know, candidates and issues drive voters. If there's not much in the line of excitement of issues or very compelling candidates, then you, typically your voter turnout's down. So you know, we don't have data to say if that's what it is. You know, we're not interviewing people as they cast their ballot to see if that's what's driving it. But it's an issue. And, you know, like you said, the contested AG's race, I'm sure that's driving a lot of folks to the polls, too, because there's some compelling personalities there. And then also, you know, you know, after the change in Roe v. Wade, it, it's, it's a big issue and it's, it's occupying pine a lot of bandwidth as it relates to the conversation and politics across the state. And so, yeah, anecdotally, you could say it's pride driving, but we have no data to say that's what it is. Sure. That is very true. For those, uh, for the last few days here, give some tips as secretary of state. I mean, the tips on where to vote, how to vote, hopefully you're registered to vote already, because if not, then you're kind of a day late and a dollar short on this one. But uh, (laughs) just kind of the general information as people are trying to figure out how to make sure their ballot is cast this year. Yeah, so a couple things that are important. There's a lot of folks that are unaffiliated that should still vote. You know, the Constitution is still their Constitution, um, and the, there is a constitutional men on the ballot. And a lot of times these county races and other races, whether it's a water board or cemetery board, um, townships, a lot of those are nonpartisan. So 
you know, plan to vote, even if you're, you're, you're not affiliated with a party. Um, you can go to sos.ks.gov and click the elections tab, and you can find every election clerk's office. So if you need to go to their website to see a sample ballot on where to vote. And we always encourage people, you know, make a plan to vote. You know, we learned a lot of this during the pandemic two years ago that, you know, you may get COVID, may not want to go into a polling place. So have a plan ahead of time of how you're going to handle that. And our website also in that election tab, we have a ballot tracker to make sure, you know, that your ballot's been sent to you if you ask for an advance mail ballot and make sure it got received back by the county office. We always encourage people, don't put it in the mail unless you absolutely have to, mm-hmm. because, you know, treat your ballot like cash. Your ballot is your responsibility. Yeah. And it's safer keeping it in the county as opposed to, you know, a lot of Wichita mail ends up going to Oklahoma City before it comes back to Wichita. Well, I'd rather just keep it in Wichita. Last time you came on, we talked about kind of that process of trying to secure that ballot, which has been a popular topic for many individuals to talk about. Make sure that the election is valid, that it is safe, that it is secure, and that our that our uh, votes actually count. You actually just came back from Washington, D.C. to talk about some election integrity issues on a roundtable. What was that conversation like and uh, what did we find out nationally? You know, it, it's great. Here's what I appreciate what the Republicans on the Hill did versus what the Democrats tried to do is, to us as secretaries of state. They introduced their election bill day one. It was drafted that no member of Congress got to say. It was just drafted, and boom, they're hitting us with all this policy change, a lot of which we as Kansas cannot do, and we were never invited to the conversation. The Republicans' bill, which is the ACE Act, created um, this American Confidence in, a, in Elections Act. And it, what this does was actually protect states' rights, that states run their elections. It's not federal. It also gave guidelines for um, you know voter ID, um, post-election audits. A lot of things Kansas already does. Our office worked with Rodney Day, Congressman Davis's office, to help draft this bill because you know Kansas elections have been considered in the green. They're considered very secure. So the Republican caucus on the Hill said, "Well, let's start with Kansas because they're the gold standard." And the other thing it did is it prevents you know what we've become known as Zuckerbucks, the Facebook money, which is a complete conflict of interest. It prevents county commissioners from taking that money. And you know Facebook is engaged in political campaigns. They shouldn't be funding election processes, too. That is a conflict of interest. So it prevents those county commissioners from taking that money. Did you get a chance to actually talk to some of those in Washington, D.C. about what we're doing here in the state of Kansas? I know that other states like Georgia have tried to mirror some of their election integrity bills off of what we do in Kansas. So we are still kind of that beacon and that example of how elections could be done in a proficient level. Did you get a chance to actually show that in Washington, D.C. so they could see what we're doing? We did. As a matter of fact, Congressman from Georgia asked me, he's like, Scott, of this act, what do you like the most? I really like the voter ID components. Um, and, and what a lot of states didn't do, because they, I don't know if they didn't think about it or didn't realize how easy it could actually be done, but we do voter ID for advanced mail ballots. Um, a lot of states, you, when the ballot comes, the ballot comes. You don't know who really casted that ballot. Yeah. And so, you know, those states are calling us because of that voter ID component for those advanced mail ballots. And that's why, you know, you see the things like, you know, 2000 mules and stuff like that. They never talk about Kansas because one, we don't automatically mail ballots to voters. You have to request it. And two, we have a ballot harvesting law and three, we got a voter ID. So those are the type of things. So we're real, you know, we're fighting back against rumors from other states. Oh, it must happen in Kansas too. And it's just not true. And we always tell folks, if you don't believe me, that's fine. Go be a poll worker and find out for yourself. 
They, yeah. They'll be the eyes on that election. Yeah, unlike some of the other states, we actually have that transparency. People can watch the count. People can actually be a, a someone there at the polls to monitor everything and make sure everything's going well. And I think once they understand that system, then hopefully they feel a little bit more comfortable with our system here. Yeah, and I would say that to the folks that, you know, I, I call them populists because they hear rumors and it's a popular topic, but it's not necessarily truth, and it's based in fear. And I, as a conservative Republican, I always believe in the more positive um, message of conservative Republican ideals. But, you know, go, go do the deal. Go be the eyes in, in that room. And then if you see something obviously reported, you know, we, we investigate fraud. Um, but if you, if you have evidence of fraud being occurring or voter suppression for that matter, absolutely. A.G. Schmidt and I would love to partner together to stop anything nefarious from trying to influence our election. We're talking with Kansas Secretary of State Scott Schwab. Let's move past August 2nd here for just a moment. Let's uh, take a brief outlook to November with the midterm election there. Obviously, it's a midterm election. It's not a presidential election, which means that usually, normally, we see a little bit less of a voter turnout. However, we have some major races. We have a governor's race. As we mentioned, we have some uh, bigger races with the attorney general and more. Do you think that this year maybe we'll see a bigger turnout than a normal midterm election just because of how much of a high-profile election this could be? I that's really premature for me to say. Um, and, and, and here's the reason why. Um, there are two more constitutional uh, amendments on the general ballot. We don't know how that's going to affect things. Three, we don't know what's going to happen in D.C. that can drive out votes. And the other issue that's going to change things is there's been redistricting. State school board, the state house, and then obviously U.S. Congress, all those districts changed. We don't know how that's going to affect a general election. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Congressman Laterna's district changed, Sharice Davids, uh, Congresswoman Davids' district changed. Obviously, Ron S. is down there in Wichita changed a bit. The first draft, uh, the first, the big one is always getting bigger. Um, so we don't know how those dynamics come into play. And so we try to be more data driven and not um, anecdotal driven. Yeah. Um, but regardless, we always encourage folks, you know, it's your, it's your, it's your community, it's your state, you're a shareholder. Don't proxy your vote to somebody else. Make sure you vote and vote for the people and the things that you care about. Going back real quickly to the national issues, we've heard the rumor that they've presented some more election integrity bills going on at the federal level that uh, that really are concerning to me. They tried H.R. 1 uh, just at the beginning of the year and last year as well, H.R. 3, which is kind of the watered-down version of it. But now they're talking about, obviously, this national push for the national popular vote, kind of ridding ourselves of the electoral college process. Then we hear these bills that they're talking about now, making sure that it's more difficult to challenge electoral college votes and the certification thereof at the federal level because they don't want to happen what happened in 2020 as well. Uh, as a state, are we concerned about these bills or something like that potentially uh, going into play at the federal level and us losing the ability to control the election process here at the statewide level? We're always concerned when the feds try to tell us how to do our work and they never invited us to the conversation. Mm. And that was our concern with H.R. 1 and S. 1 is they constantly were trying to push things on states. And, you know, my, a lot of my Democrat colleagues, secretaries of state, publicly, they say they wanted it, but private, like, that, they could not physically do that. And that's the concern here as well. Um, Mansion and Cinema have actually been helpful because they understand, you know, let, let the local folks deal with this. Um, you know, the chair of, I think it's Congressional Affairs, she's out of L.A. She was complaining about what legislatures were doing. I'm like, but they're elected just like you are. I, who are. We don't tell you that you don't get to do your job. You can't tell them they can do their job. Sure. And you're not, you know, you're not in Wallace County. 
You're not in Sedgwick County. You're in L.A. Your county has more people in it than seven states combined. So it's unfair for you to come try to tell us how to do our deal, especially when you have no evidence our deal is doing anything wrong. (laughs) And so, you know, I think at the end of the day, a lot of these bills just die. I do get frustrated. My congresswoman won't return my phone call when it comes to talk about election stuff. Um, But it's whatever. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Ron Estes has always been great. And he's someone I can call on his cell phone. And he's always been quick. I'm just like, here's our concerns. And he hears me. He listens to me. Same thing with Tracy and um, Man in the first and, and uh, um, obviously Turner in the second. We serve the legislature together. Sure. But, I mean, it's one of those things. It's just like the federal government. You, you have these ideas, but you don't talk to folks. And sometimes the legislature does it, too. They have an idea on elections, but they never talk to the people who actually do elections to see if what that request is is, is it's something that can be done or not. And I do appreciate Ty Masterson and Dan Hawkins down there because they've always been good about having the conversation with us. we got a couple of minutes left here. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about your campaign. How are things going on your campaign trail? Obviously running for re-election for Secretary of State, but uh, how is it going on the campaign trail right now? It's going pretty well. Um, we've had some preliminary polling. It's not definitely done yet, so but it's looking very, very favorable. Um and our message is resonating with folks. And obviously, we've been up in TV down there in Wichita since July 5th. Yeah. And we're going to continue to push that through next Tuesday. And it's just letting folks know it's not just elections. It's, there's a business component to this office. You know, we're trying to make it easier for folks to file a new business. And, you know, I told you last time I was on your show, you know, we during the shutdown, we do about 85 we did about 80 new business filings a day when the world was shut down. We normally do about 110. We're up over 130, 135, 136 a day. (laughs) So there's a lot of entrepreneurialism coming on in Kansas. And we want to make sure those filings are efficient. You know, you start in a restaurant, you have to touch five to six silos of government to get all your permits. We want you to touch one. And, you know, we got to get reelected to make that happen because we're, uh, we have to update a lot of systems to do it. But, um, you know, it, it's going good. And because of things like that, you know, Matt Schlatt down there from Wichita and CPAC endorsed us. We're the only one endorsed by KFL um, because they appreciate the election processes that we've put into place. Um, we've, been, we've been endorsed by the Greater Wichita um, Chamber PAC simply for the same things. We're making it easier to do business in the state. And, you know, that's something we're really, really proud of. Very good. Well, I'm happy for you. Last question before we let you go, and I appreciate the time with you very much. I know it's a busy time for you, but talk about your transition personally going from campaign mode that you've seen over the last uh, couple weeks here for the final election push into Monday and Tuesday on Election Day. What is your role? How are things done? And talk about what your duties are and how busy that you are coming into the next week. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of candidates, especially statewide, they get to go to the hotel and they have fun and, you know, enjoy celebration with their friends and Unless they lost them, they may not be as celebratory. Let's be honest, that does happen to folks. Um, but for me, it's work day. Um, we'll be we'll all be in Topeka, and we create – I don't call it a war room because it's not a war, but we have a monitor room where we're monitoring what's going on with counties in case they have any electrical issues or, you know, for example, a printer won't print. Um, so we're constantly calling with um, vendors to make sure any issues are being resolved. Um, sometimes like, for example, in Topeka, um, we had a, one of the, the machines still had a stick in it and it wasn't accounted for. And so we were troubleshooting, like, where is that stick? And I get it back to the office. They wish it was handled in a secure manner. It was never put in bad hands. It was 
person was an extra machine in case something broke, yeah. and she didn't realize she had to bring that back. So it's stuff like that, you know, and we always have two people handling things. So if, you know, we have our fraud um, link on our website. You just go to sos.ks.gov. So as people say, hey, I saw X, Y, or Z. We're constantly working with DOJ, National Guard, and the KBI to investigate any claims of either voter suppression or voter intimidation or voter so those are the type of things I'll be dealing with till seven, eight o'clock at night, and then I'll be checking in and out throughout the night as people are posting the results. And and I always remember remind people what you see on our website is preliminary. There's still provisional ballots that have to be counted, and there's a lot of things that happen the numbers are final. That is just a thermometer. It is not a thermostat. Sure. It is not. It, it is very dynamic as, you know, some folks get a provisional ballot and uh, they come in later and show their ID. Then that provisional ballot gets count. You know, so sure. if, if, if it's a legal ballot, we want it. Count. Yeah, absolutely. I know it's a busy time for you and I appreciate all the time that you give us here. And it's an exciting time, I think, for Kansas going to the polls and going on Tuesday to go and make their voice heard. And we'll see how the election turns out all across the board at Secretary of State Scott Schwab. We appreciate the time very much, my friend. Keep up the great fight, and we look forward to chatting with you on the other side here in a couple weeks. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks for having us on again. Always appreciate you helping us get the truth out there. Head spinning yet? Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out today for a Saturday. It's Kansas Talk here on KQAM. Thanks again, to Scott Schwab, current Secretary of State and candidate for re-election of Secretary of State here in Kansas. We're coming on the program and giving us all that time. We've covered so many candidates over the last weeks, and I'd like to remind you again that if you have not had the chance to listen to all of them, you can go back and listen to all those podcasts. Also, on Tuesday, it is election day. Get out and vote. I'll keep saying that throughout the entire program. But we will be doing some election coverage here on KQAM from 7 to 10 p.m. after the polls close. You can listen at the top and bottom of the hour as yours truly will be doing election updates and giving you the latest numbers that are moving in. So you can stay tuned right here on KQAM and get those latest numbers and election coverage with KQAM. When we come back right around the corner, we'll shift gears back to another candidate, Chris Kobach, candidate for attorney general. We'll touch on him to wrap up the three candidates for attorney general in the Republican primary and Kansans for Life to talk about the value of them both. Bill, stay here. Call the show at 316-721-8255. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. On Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Holy cow, man. What a show. Blowing right on throughout last half hour on the home stretch here for Kansas Talk on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. All presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. They're officially open right now until 2.30 this afternoon for all your buying, selling, or trading needs with honesty and integrity. For all your gold and silver, make sure to check them out online as well. Phil'sCoins.com. We'll have Phil in for a more elongated conversation next week. Kind of had him in for a flash hit and run today. We are awaiting the call from Chris Kovac. He'll call us here momentarily, alive at a parade right now. So they're pulling him off to the side to try to make a phone call with us. Uh, but until then, I want to hear from you at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. Are you ready to vote? Are you ready to make your account, your voice heard? Are you ready for Tuesday next week? Let's go to the phones here at line number one. Good morning. Who's this? 
Hey, Andy, it's Sean. Mr. Sean, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing just pretty darn good. There we go. You all ready for Tuesday, right? I done did it, man. I was going to say, I think you voted early already. I talked to you last week, and you already got your ballot in. Well, no, I uh, what I did was I procrastinated. I filled it out this morning, and then uh, I took it over to uh, Westlink Church of Christ and uh, dropped it off. Sure. You know, put it in the box and was in and out, you know, a minute or two. And um, quite a line over there. So um, I was, uh, as I was, uh, you know, walking past everybody on my way to my truck, you know, it just it made me feel superior. Sure. Because I had, uh, I had already filled out my ballot. I didn't have to stand in line. Ha ha ha! Right but, there, you go. But uh, hey, you know, I um, uh, I heard what Phil Martinez said. And, you know, probably ten, twelve years ago, I would agree agreed with him. But you know, advanced, you know, these um early voting, you know, for people that are disabled or maybe they're sick and they can't, you know, get to uh the polls on election day. You know, there's I don't see anything wrong with uh advance voting as long as uh you know there ain't any cheating going on and of course that happens with advance voting i know but surely you know we put a stop to that well but, when there's uh, when there's security to it to make sure that you know not like what we're seeing with that 2000 mules and and other uh, uh other documentaries and other concerns about just people randomly dropping in ballots and just the ballot harvesting and trying to go around and collect them from individuals you don't know what happens as soon as you let go of that ballot so holding on to that ballot is precious it's like a piece of gold and then when you drop it into a place you want to make sure that it's protected it's it's a vault that it's secure and that you want to make sure that it's counted properly and as long as we do that i have no problem with it although again like i said i think for the majority of americans that I think going to the polls on election day is extremely important for many. Oh, yeah, 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 sure is. Um, people who can vote, you know, can stand in the long line, need to get out and vote. Um, I uh, uh, I heard what Scott Schwab said, and, I, uh, you know, <clears throat> I do an advance, you know, I fill out my um, advance ballot. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to either take it to the... Uh, courthouse or i'm going to take it to a polling place on election day that's what i did in the school board election is i i i took it to uh, my regularly uh, assigned polling place and uh, dropped it in the box there to west side church of god but uh sure yeah the the, the um the first time that i uh i think that i had uh uh put my uh ballot in a drop box was uh, the one outside the uh, courthouse downtown, and there's there's no way somebody can, uh, you know, run off with that thing. That, you know, got all kinds of security and camera around there and cops, so I knew it would be safe. But uh, yeah, I would never send a ballot through the mail unless I absolutely have to. And even then, I might if I could get somebody to drop it off for me, I'd do that. You know, if I was sick or something. But uh, yeah, yeah, concerning. yeah, that would be a, a scary thought. Scary thought. So are you but optimistic? Do you think that we're going to get the right candidates in after Tuesday? Well, I sure hope so. You know, I voted for Chris Kobach, uh, uh, the um, the gal that's running for a uh, state treasurer. What's her name? Karen Tyson. Something. Okay. Yeah, voted for her. And, you know, <clears throat> I voted for Jerry Moran because I know who he is. And a lot of these guys, you know, Ron S. and all that, I know they're, they're, they're going to get uh, reelected. 
but uh, still, I only, you know, the, this is the very first primary that I've ever voted in, just like the uh, school board election was the very first school board election I ever voted in. That's all from, you know, all because of you and your show. Well, I appreciate that, and I, I, that's what we I want to do. We want to generate that activity and show that uh, the primaries are just as important, if not more important, than the general election. Yeah. Uh, to me, you know, in the past, the primary was like, um, you know, NFL preseason games. You know, I just don't watch preseason <laughs> games because they don't matter. But uh, I always, you know, lo- local politics never interested me. Just the uh, national politics and, you know, voting in the midterms and general election. But uh yeah, you know, uh, at least these days, <clears throat> the way I see it is, is yeah, voting in primaries and off-year elections and stuff is uh, is just as important as the other. You so, bet, you bet. Well, Sean, I, I yeah, I appreciate that, my friend, and uh, I'm glad you got your ballot cast. I'm, I'm glad that you got it all filled out, ready to go. I know everybody's excited. Again, we, I mean, the news that I've seen is that registration is up at record levels for a primary for a midterm season. That voter turnout for early voting is already at a record. So I'm curious to see what's going to happen on election day. But Sean, I got to run, my friend. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the little bit cooler weather as well as uh, we are. I, I just got a message from I don't know. We'll get uh, Chris Kobach on here for the last couple of minutes as he's still, you know, chatting with people at a parade, which is important. And a lot of I know a lot of candidates are going to their final parades today. The, the big Dodge City parade going on this morning, which I think a lot of the candidates are at. And I'm assuming that's where he's at as well. So no worries to that. We've talked to him many times before on the program as well. And again, great candidate. I will reiterate that whether he gets the nomination, which there are a lot of people that either love Chris Kobach or hate Chris Kobach, whether it's him, whether it's Tony Mativi, whether it's Kelly Warren, all three of them have been on this program multiple times. We appreciate all of them. They're all great, wonderful candidates, and that Republicans need to unite for that election and for that race going into the general election to make sure Democrats don't hold the attorney general seat in the state of Kansas because that would be absolutely devastating. Just throwing that out there. Absolutely devastating. So when we come back, we're going to take a little bit early break here because when we come back, we're going to focus on the other major issue that's on the ballot that is driving, I think, a lot of the excitement and energy into this election, which is the value them both bill. What is right? What is wrong? What is fact? What is not fact? What are some of the mudslinging that's been thrown around out there? And what does your vote yes or vote no vote actually mean? We'll do that when we come back here right around the corner. And if we have a couple minutes left, I do want to take some other calls. Are you, have you voted already or are you planning to do so on Tuesday as well? Next week, we'll be talking to some of the victorious candidates. And we're also going to talk about shifting gears into the general election. Kelly, Governor Laura Kelly, that wonderful individual that we have, made kind of an interesting comment a couple of days ago campaigning, which her campaign consists of going to someone's house with like 10 people around and thinking that she has some type of energy. <laughs> and I thought that was cute. You're in really good shape. Uh, you, you hear people talking about you know a recession coming. Uh, bring it on. Bring it on. There you go. People are talking about a recession, but we're in a really good shape, so bring it on. I'm assuming she's talking about our state budget, but that's not the best kind of message that you want to hear from the consumers that are dealing with 9.2% inflation rates. Kind of hilarious. When we come back, we'll talk with Gene Godden, Candidates for Life, the value them both built to wrap up the program for the final Saturday before Election Day here in Kansas on KQAM. Stay here.
Welcome back into the program. Last segment here on Kansas Talk, wrapping up the program today, going into Election Day on Tuesday. Can you feel the energy? Can you feel the excitement? Record registration, record turnout for a not just a midterm election, but for a primary of a midterm election. I think there's a reason for that. There's a lot of great candidates out there, and there's a lot of issues that a lot of individuals want to have their voice heard on. And there's a lot of conversation being thrown back and forth on what's going on uh, with some of these bills, including the major one that I think is driving the vast majority of individuals to the polls. And we had to get them back on one more time to talk about the truth, kind of what's going on, the facts, the vote yes and vote no. What does it actually mean and what would it mean if these things happen as we talk about the value them both bill it's time to meet the candidate the government works for us not the other way around elections 2022 elections 2022 and not necessarily a candidate but an issue that's driving people to the polls excited to have back on with us here from kansans for life at gene godden with us here gene how are you this morning oh i'm doing great it is gosh we are just days away from this i have seen so many uh so many yard signs i've seen and i have to admit now i have seen probably a handful that i can count on one hand that are the vote no signs but my drive to and from the radio station every single day i see at least 30 yes yes signs so if that's any indication that i'm optimistic about tuesday well i tell you that's exactly right um this is just a, an actual grassroots campaign uh this is a vote of the people of Kansas, um, an opportunity for them to reject the far left um, abortion extremism and uh, to support the limits that are on abortion that have been there and that are saving lives. So this is this is definitely an opportunity for for the majority of Kansans to say no, thank you. We do not want the Biden, Pelosi, the the Elizabeth Warren. Um, agenda for Kansans, which is extreme abortion paid for with our tax dollars. Well, that is very true. Now, here's the thing. The nation is watching the state of Kansas, and we're making news headlines nationally because we are, after the reversal of Roe v. Wade, we are the very first state in the nation to vote on some type of constitutional amendment regarding abortion. So everybody's watching, and Candace has always been kind of that limelight, haven't we? I mean, we had, uh, I mean, Sam Brownback that went to the federal level, Mike Pompeo that's gone to the federal level, even on the Democrat side uh, with uh, Kathleen Sebelius that helped form Obamacare under the Obama administration, that Candace has been one of those beacons of setting the tone or setting a direction politically on the national front, and it looks like we're about to do that again one way or the other. That's true. The nation is watching. And when I mentioned Biden, Pelosi, Elizabeth Warren, um, those far left politicians from out in D.C., they want Kansas to be a haven state for unlimited abortion. And that is why this so-called Kansans for Constitutional Freedom, which is in reality the abortion industry, it's why they're fighting so hard against value them both. Did you know that only 29 percent of the donations to Kansans for Constitutional Freedom actually come from Kansans. Wow. And and you could yeah, it's amazing. You can contrast that with value them both. The coalition has got ninety nine percent of its donations from actual Kansans. A hundred and four out of a hundred and five counties. And so when we say that this is truly a grassroots effort, value them both in voting for the amendment is for Kansans to say, you know, we value women and children. We want there to be limits on the abortion industry. And that's why we're voting yes. 
Talk about the the vote yes and the vote no. What does it actually mean? I've gotten calls on the program saying, what does that actually mean? To vote yes or to vote no? What's the history of this again? And, and kind of a recap with the US, with the Kansas Supreme Court protecting abortion. And what does this bill do? Because some of the information, some of the ads that are running out there are saying that if you vote yes, then abortion is banned across the line, that women are going to be dying in the streets because they're going to be sick and won't get the health care that they need, that we're not going to get contraceptives or whatever other kind of accusations that they make. What does this bill actually do if it passes? Well, value them both when it passes will protect the reasonable limits on abortion that have been in place some for many years. Now, the abortion industry, we have to remember, we have to remember, they fought against every limit at the legislature in order to keep those bills from becoming laws. And then when that didn't work, they sued laws to stop them from being enforced, which is what led to the 2019 Supreme Court ruling here in Kansas that declared every limit on abortion is presumed unconstitutional and is therefore unenforceable. And so as a result of that ruling in 2019, two laws have already been struck down, and that would be the ban on live dismemberment abortions. This is on 15-week babies and up, in the second trimester and up, where those babies are fully formed and can feel pain. And also the law requiring basic health and sanitation standards, licensing and inspection for abortion clinics. So the abortion industry is lying to Kansans in an effort to confuse them and get them to vote no, because the abortion industry has proven by its actions that it wants no limits on abortion. So they're trying to convince voters that if you vote no, those limits will still be in place. They will not be, because the abortion industry will sue all of the remaining limits. We know that by their past actions. So no on value than both means no limits. Yes, protects those life-saving limits on abortion, from being struck down by abortion industry lawsuits. Yeah, we have to remember that back in, what was it, 2019, when the Kansas Supreme Court came out and said that it was constitutionally protected to have an abortion, that's what they would use if this uh, if this fails to pass. That's what the ruling that they would use to try and sue on any of these regulations to where, like you said, we could be seeing what we were seeing with the conversation in Virginia of, oh, you know what, I'm going into labor. I don't know that I want this thing as I go into a panic state. Let's set the thing aside and just have a conversation about what we want to do with it thereafter. That potentially could happen here in Kansas if these restrictions don't stay in place. That's exactly right. The abortion industry itself is projecting a 1,000% increase in the number of abortions in Kansas if value them both does not pass. Mm. And so because of our state Supreme Court's ruling, we don't have a voice anymore on this issue. We cannot talk to our legislators about things we think are important, limits we think are important to place on the abortion industry. And we've seen in other states, Minnesota, for example, struck down their parental notification law, struck down informed consent, struck down the requirement that it be a licensed physician to perform an abortion. So all of those things, because of that, what that one Supreme Court ruling did in 2019 in Kansas, all of our limits are now presumed unconstitutional and are unenforceable. And they will be struck down if value them both does not pass. Yeah, what I love about what you guys have done here is that this is showing the true activism at a local level. Because when the Supreme Court came out with a decision, obviously with our checks and balance system, with the division of powers that we have in in our governmental system, is that when the Supreme Court makes the decision, we didn't just say, well, that's it, throw our hands up in the air because the, you know, the individuals in nine black robes ended up making the decision. We did something about it. And the only way that you can override a U.S. Supreme Court 
is by a constitutional amendment with the uh, vast majority of the legislature and then in the state of Kansas having the people vote on a piece of legislation. You guys took into action right away, and this has been a controversial thing for the other side since the beginning of this, but you guys have worked from day one when the Supreme Court made this decision to make this bill happen, haven't you? Absolutely. We knew that the Supreme Court totally misinterpreted and radically altered our Kansas Constitution um, to come up with that ruling. And not only finding of this uh, abortion right in our Constitution, but then to say that every limit is presumed unconstitutional. All the years of testimony by women who have been subject to the abuses in the abortion industry, all of those things were thrown aside. And everything the legislature had the duty and the right to do regarding regulating the issue of abortion was thrown to the side by the state Supreme Court saying every limit is presumed unconstitutional and unenforceable. So this is the opportunity to take back to take back the power of the people to be able to have a voice in this issue and to protect reasonable regulations on the abortion industry. That's what it's which about. Which is why they're fighting it so hard. <laughs> exactly, which is why they're fighting it so hard tooth and nail. It is Gene Gauden, Kansans for Life, KFL.org. we got about 30 seconds left here, but your final message for people as they go to the polls next week. I think folks have got to vote yes um, on value them both. It protects life-saving limits on abortion and from being struck down by the abortion industry, and it rejects it rejects the majority of the money that's coming from out of state to fight value them both, which is from dark money groups, left-leaning dark money groups that support things like um, defunding the police, for goodness sakes. We have got to stand up for the values of Kansans, which include caring about women and children both. So vote yes on value them both. Vote yes on value them both. We've been seeing, unfortunately, not a lot of news headlines about uh, yard signs and big signs being stolen or vandalized here in the Wichita area and I'm sure across the state of Kansas as well. So it shows the emotional reaction that we're seeing from the other side uh, that is just losing their minds over just basic common sense protections and limitations on abortion. It's Kansans for Life, KFL.org. Gene, I appreciate the time very much. I love what you guys are doing. Good luck on Tuesday as we go into Election Day, and I look forward to chatting with you guys here again real soon. Great. Thanks a lot, Andy. Hey, appreciate it very much. Always a pleasure. There it is. We're done for the day. I can't say anymore until you go to the polls on Tuesday. We're back at it next Saturday to recap everything, get some of the victorious candidates on the show, and have some fun about going into a general election. Until then... Everybody have a great weekend. Enjoy maybe the little bit cooler weather. Get out the vote. Get out the vote. Get out the vote. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Kansas Talk next Saturday.